What we want is to have changed the way fertility treatments are provided to patients and to become really uh, the reference in the industry. As a first virtual fertility clinic, what we offer is actually that you have treatments that is tailored to your specific needs, preferences and location. The business we are in, the outcome is a baby. So that's also how we change the life of the patients that come with Apricity, that we have amazing success rates. Welcome to the Beyond Capital podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. Together, we have built and invested in businesses worth millions. We want to show you how social impact can exist in a company's operations, product, and culture, sometimes unexpectedly. We hope you walk away knowing the possibilities of social impact for you and feeling inspired by the potential to do good. This is the Beyond Capital Podcast. And today's guest is Carolyn Nublanche. Carolyn is the co-founder and CEO of Apricity, a company that is disrupting the fertility clinic and treatment industries to improve the experiences and outcomes for women and couples who are struggling to conceive. Carolyn was previously the CEO of Prylos, a business she sold in 2011, and vice president at Doro AB, a Swedish technology company. Welcome, Carolyn. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to unpack your company, your purpose with you. And as a starting point to this conversation, before we dive into Apricity, I wanted to ask you, you've worked in telecom and for the the last several years, you've worked at the intersection of health and technology. How did you find yourself in the health sector and what drew you to the area that you're working in now? First, I think that um, as a person, it has always been important to me to have uh, an impact. Uh, you were talking about social impact, and I'm very fond of new technologies, but I wanted new, new technologies which have a purpose. So my first company, Prilos, that Ed mentioned, uh, was in uh, mobile apps for elderly people which I sold to Doro, which is a leader in uh, mobile phones for people. And it was very much focused on the end of life. So I wanted to evolve in something a bit more cheerful. And that's where uh, I started this project with fertility. So back to your question, technology with a purpose uh, that really make a difference for people. And uh, first in the field of uh, elderly uh, care and now in the field of, uh, of fertility with uh, babies and couples. Have you always seen yourself as an entrepreneur? I would say no, because uh, when I was uh, younger, I, I'm 44. So uh, at the time uh, I started my career, it was less common to uh, to have entrepreneurs around you. But both my parents are lawyers and uh, a lawyer and a dentist. So I saw what it was to be self-employed. And uh, I honestly pictured myself uh, in, uh, you know, large tech companies. But when I started my career with uh, SFR, which is the second French mobile operator, uh, it was the beginning of mobile phones, and that was really uh, pas passionating. But being part of uh, a large group with uh, thousands of employees, I could feel myself a bit 
squeezed a bit uh, uh, tight, you know. Uh, when I was explained that actually to get a decision, you needed to go through uh, 13 committees. Ooh, <laughs> I hated that. So that's where I actually started to consider to um, to start a, a company. And that was also the moment in the beginning of uh, 2000 years that uh, people were, uh, you know, that there was a boom of internet and uh, and the first rise of uh, entrepreneurs uh, in, in technologies. So I joined first a small company in new technologies called uh, Phone Valley. And when I saw the entrepreneur there, Alexandre Mars, Mars was a really a brilliant entrepreneur. I said, okay, he's great, but I can also probably do the same thing. And that's where I, I pictured myself as, a, as an entrepreneur and where I started Prilos. So tell us a little bit more about Apricity. What motivated you to create a virtual fertility clinic? What are some of the features of the company? So what motivated me and, and the team and uh, my team of co-founders is that actually IVF has existed for more than 40 years and it's pretty successful. It's a, it's a great kind of treatment, but it's really difficult. It's, a, it's an outdated and a complex process to go through a fertility treatments for the one in six couple will have to go through that. So our basic question to actually create Apricity was, what if we were to reinvent fertility treatments now? 40 years after. And the answer was, hmm, we would have something that would be one much more patient centric because everything has been designed and created around the clinic's constraints and, and, and the doctor's constraints, which is understandable. But in our 2.0 world or even 3.0 world, everything is consumer centric. So we said, okay, we should have fertility treatments truly patient centric, especially when it's something so important. And we should also have something that, of course, relies on the excellence in the, in the medical field, but is also more modern because today a lot of the way of operating are really legacy from the past and can be improved. I'm curious to know how it is different from some of the existing methods for dealing with the fertility issues, aside from the you know, in vitro, I, you know, there are other sort of like, you know, cycle based or time based, maybe nutrition based. I just kind of wonder where it slots into that whole universe of, of treatments and, and approaches. So first we are a fertility clinic, meaning that uh, what we sell to our patients are fertility treatments. So what you designed as the, um, what you mentioned as uh, IVF treatment is the most popular, but it can be also uh, IUI or egg donation. On top of that, you can have uh, the benefit of other types of approach, but basically what we sell is a treatment. What we do differently from uh, traditional fertility clinics is that actually today, when you will go through an IVF treatment and you've been diagnosed with uh, infertility, there will be a, a, a cycle uh, where they composed in uh, ovarian stimulation, in egg retrieval, in the fertilization of eggs and sperm, embryo transfer, implantation. All of these will take approximately one month to one month and a half, but you will need on average three cycles to get pregnant. So because you have to rest between two cycles, it's something that will affect your life for 18 months. And during these 18 months, the whole process is very cumbersome. You will have to go to the clinic many times to have blood tests, to have scans. You will have to go there for procedures, for consultations. And you have many other um, things happening where you feel that you turn into the project manager of uh, your treatment and where a lot of decisions have to be made a bit, uh, let's say, without you having all of the information and uh, you don't feel in the driving seat. So the difference of appreciative is actually 
first the appreciative name means the warmth of the sun in winter. So it's the kind of feeling we want our patients to feel during this tough moment. And as a first virtual fertility clinic, what we offer is actually that you have treatment that is tailored to your specific needs, preferences and location. So there is one thing which, that we call the bespoke journey where you can actually choose where to have your blood tests. It can be done from home. It can be done uh, in a partner lab close to your work, etc. So during all of these blood tests that you have to do, uh, you can choose which option you want to go for. Of course, we have uh, done the same thing for scans. We offer the possibility to have uh, consultations by video, etc., etc. So the idea is to tailor the journey. We have certain elements that can be tailored. And you mentioned the uh, ad. Um, for example, uh, other alternatives. We offer uh, acupuncture, reflexology, supportive counseling, but not all of us. If Eva wants to go through a fertility treatment or I want to go, maybe uh, she needs supportive counseling and I feel I don't, or I'm very much into uh, yoga or into uh, reflexology and you're not. So we will make sure to actually design the whole journey based on these needs and preferences of, of us. All of this is done by a, a personal fertility advisor. So someone who's there seven days a week and uh, available on extended hours uh, of support. So today that's from uh, uh, 7 a.m. in the morning till 9 p.m. at night. And this personal fertility advisor is there actually to be the ally during your treatment. It's kind of your project manager and the person you turn to when you have questions. And of course, we work. So we work with existing brick and mortar clinics, and we have an arrangement with them, kind of a B two B arrangement, so that our patients go for their egg collection and their embryo transfer to the clinic. But the, all the rest of the treatments is supervised by our medical team, our nurses, and our doctors. And uh, what is different as well is that it's more modern. I told you that uh, Ed a bit earlier. We have designed a, an amazing mobile app for patients, and during the course of their treatment, they will be able to have reminders of when to have injections, reminders of their appointments, videos to explain them what will happen, and of course, uh, communication, so chat and, and, and calls with, uh, with their care team. So all of this is just the tip of the iceberg. In the background, of course, we have a much more uh, sophisticated uh, IT system to actually make the, the whole treatment more efficient to make sure that our staff or fertility advisor or nurses or doctors are uh, really uh, efficient and don't spend too much time on administrative tasks, but really time to care about our patients. That's how we actually improve uh, the experience for our patients. And we also have an amazing AI project to uh, actually improve outcomes. I'll tell you more uh, about that later. Yeah, I was thinking about the, the AI piece. You know, I was wondering what that brings to the picture. Today, the, the world of fertility, you have the largest fertility clinics that treat thousands of patients a year, okay, but a few thousands. And uh, the whole expertise of the doctors and the clinics relies on this few thousand cycles that they actually uh, treat. So the, the first thing we, we realized when coming into this fertility field is that it could be incredibly beneficial to the whole fertility uh, sector to pull to, to put together all of this data to be able to better understand what drives the success in a, in a treatment. Because when you talk to clinics, the ones who have bad success rates tell you is that because they actually treat everyone and they don't triage, they don't select the patients that come to their clinic. And the good ones explain you that they actually have amazing outcomes because of their doctors or because of uh, this way of treating patients that they have. And we wanted to bring a bit of 
objectivity there, Ed. That's where we have started this um, this project with something that we call the data hub, where actually we leave the data in the hospitals and clinics that partner with Apricity, but the algorithm travel. And we try to learn on these data sets a few things. So let me give you an example. When you start a treatment, you wonder, given your age, given the cause of your infertility, what are chances to succeed? During the phase of uh, ovarian stimulation, you have different protocols, and these protocols are actually chosen by your doctor. But we wanted to compare how people your age and uh, with your infertility and etc. How does that compare and how do we make sure to maximize the stimulation so that you have the best outcome possible, in that, that case, uh, good quality X, but also that you avoid um, hyperstimulation uh, syndrome. We put this uh, data together and we use AI to actually better personalize treatment. And also for our doctors, that's uh, the, the, what's happening in the background. We give them information of, to actually better prioritize results that they receive from blood tests and, uh, and scans. So that's just examples. There are a few others. That, um, yeah. Okay, thank you. This is solving an incredible pain point, as you pointed out, and, you know, through being of reproductive age and hearing from friends the number of data points that they need to think through. I can just, you know, really see how there's a tremendous benefit, particularly when you're integrating AI in order to improve the success rate of conception. So, I mean, it just your model really, really stands out for me. I, I also wanted to ask about changing the behavior of your customers. Are there any changes that you, you make over time that you see in those who are using Apricity? We define ourselves, we say that we are here to help you create a life and live yours. So the change that we see with our uh, patients is actually that today, all of their life for the 18 months of the treatment revolve around the treatment and they have to forget about everything else. That's what we do. Uh, we help them have a life, really being able to continue their life as, uh, as before. So we actually monitor that huh, because it's very important for us to be able to do that and that's the experience bit. But where we are completely and tremendously different is also that the business we are in, the outcome is a baby. So that's also how we change the life of the patients that come with Apricity, that we have amazing success rates and that we maximize the chances of pregnancy through what we described uh, just earlier. So I, I, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> that's I have a the question. Big, biggest change I can see. <laughs> okay, I have a question. So a lot of times fertility treatments end up with more than one baby. And I think that that's common because basically they fertilize more than one egg and they put them in so that they, you know, some of them don't survive, but then sometimes many of them do survive and that ends up with like triplets or something like that. My brother and his wife have triplets. I won't say how they got there, but <laughs> the question I have is, does AI or any of these uh, sort of sharing of techniques, when you talk about letting people live their lives, does, does it extend to reducing the number of multiples that are produced? Absolutely. There is a major difference there, Ed, between the States and Europe. And uh, as you can hear from this delicious accent, I'm French and we operate in the UK for the moment. In Europe, uh, there is this massive trend to actually implant one embryo and only one embryo uh, when you're doing um, fertility treatments. Because of what you describe, of course, uh, I'm sure your brother is absolutely delighted to have uh, his triplets and their triplets. Now he is. It, it, 
Yeah, but there, there <laughs> are five years, six years there later. Are a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and and there are a lot of risks for uh, the mother to be huh, during the pregnancy and for uh, for the babies to be born, as you mentioned. Uh, not all of them uh, survive, so the LC birth rate is really important there. So first, there, there is this difference of uh, a guidance of reimplanting uh, only one embryo uh, versus uh, multiple embryos to reduce this uh, multiple pregnancy uh, rate. For example, in the UK, you will see uh, on the HFEA um, report that it's really, uh, it has been declining uh, severely during the, the last uh, few years, and that's by design, not uh, happening by chance. This being said, it becomes even more important to select the right embryo because because uh, let's say that you have uh, uh, produced uh, six eggs, that three of them have been fertilized, that they have developed nicely. Uh, there is a, a, a scientist, an embryologist, that will actually select which is the best embryo to, to re-implant. And that's where AI uh, takes place. It's actually that today, this diagnostic of which is the best embryo is based on the, t the, the, the time of um, how, how the embryo develops and on, on this uh, judgment of the embryologist. And even when you actually have the best embryologist in the world looking at the same images, they will not necessarily have the same appreciation of which, which one is the best. And that's where actually AI helps to understand which one of the uh, embryo is the best or to bring some objectivity and to suggest to the embryologist uh, which one to re-implant. So that's where, uh, to answer your question, that's where uh, AI can, uh, can help. You pointed out there's a difference between the US and Europe and I mean, my naive assumption would be that it's somehow more efficient or cheaper to implant more embryos. Do you face any kind of challenges at the business level and just thinking through your strategy when it comes to kind of impact and financial return and attention that might exist between the two of them? So that's another difference between uh, Europe and uh, and the uh, states is that in the states you are uh, paying for yourself for a treatment and uh, an IVF each cycle of uh, IVF costs uh, fifteen thousand dollars and as you say you may be tempted then to say okay um, to maximize my chances I prefer to implant multiple embryos in uh, the UK for example the same IVF cycles actually cost around six thousand pounds and in some cases the uh, NHS the National healthcare system will actually pay for patients to uh, have this uh, cycle. So you have less pressure, I would say, uh, on that. And it's not us defining these rules. It's actually something, it's a highly regulated field. And the regulation in the UK actually gives this guidance of how many uh, embryos to reimplant. And so we are following regulation, if you like, and uh, all patients too. Uh, it's not uh, something where we have choice. Where there can be choice is in some cases, and for example, with older patients, the one where let's say their chances of being pregnant has declined because of age. So in this case, it may happen that there are multiple embryos transferred back. Understood. So some of our listeners might not be aware of this whole process. Maybe they don't have children or they haven't been through it on their own. I wanted to ask, could you maybe share a story of a, you know, maybe kind of anonymized person or just kind of an anecdote that helps us see, you know, end to end how you provide value to those who are using Apricity? At Apricity, we work a lot in egg donation. So we had this example of a, a couple where the, the woman, for a, for some reason, wasn't didn't have enough eggs or of in enough good quality eggs. So after, I think it was eight rounds of IVF, 
unsuccessful rounds of IVF with traditional clinics. They actually wanted to find a donor, someone, a, a young lady uh, that would accept altruistically to actually give her eggs. Okay, And that's where we have a, a pool of donors at Apricity with our uh, sister company, which is called Altree. So we matched them. We found the, the right donor. And then actually they have gone through the, uh, the, 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 the couple has gone through uh, the Apricity pathway. So they have had uh, contact with their fertility advisor who has helped organize their first consultation with our doctor, Dr. Mara. And they have understood uh, that they will go uh, through um, a, a treatment with a first phase done by the donor, going to an egg collection and providing eggs. And then uh, with the, the sperm of the partner, the embryos have been developed and they have been transferred back. The, the recipient, the, the, the wife in the, in the couple, has been transferred back with, uh, with the embryos. And I can give you the testimony of these patients. We have tons of them, so it's difficult to just mention one. But actually, they send us afterwards uh, some really nice words, and especially to the fertility advisor, where they, t- they say how much they, how high they think of, uh, of uh, our fantastic uh, advisors. I'm thinking of uh, some uh, like uh, Hera, Gemma, or Poonam. They have uh, compliments all the time on how supportive they've been. And one of them said that uh, actually um, she, she didn't know how she would have done without us. Because she had fibromyalgia, so uh, she was in a high pain. So we organized actually the scans very close to her home instead of uh, have her having to go uh, to central London for her treatment. And so she she just couldn't know what the, the treatment would have been if she had had to travel four to six times to London to, to, be, to be scanned. So that's a few examples. I have others of, uh, you know, we now have uh, 11 babies born. So we, we actually uh, started our business in, um, in 2019. So it's quite uh, recent and it takes nine months to actually have a, a baby. So it's uh, c- coming progressively. But uh, each one of, I say nine, but actually we have 11, 11 babies born now. And each one of these babies we celebrate, uh, we know their names, uh, we have their pictures and uh, we receive uh, nice words from, uh, from the parents. So that's, uh, I don't know if you can imagine a better uh, outcome for your company than, uh, than having babies born, but uh, it's really uh, something that is so meaningful to, to, to the whole team. The impact definitely stands out. And it does take more than nine months, as you as you likely know yourself, to, to have a baby. I just have a big smile across my face to, to hear that and, and feel that impact that some parents are lucky to have through your business. I would love to turn to our rapid fire question so that we could get to know you better. I wanted to start with asking you, what book is on your nightstand right now? So and I, I love reading, and it's not a business book, so I apologize. Uh, it's actually a, an English book uh, called English Summers. I don't remember the name of the writer, but it's a novel, and uh, I use that to actually. It's it's my moment. It's my privileged moment to read uh, between thirty minutes and uh, and one hour every every night. And then I pile up all of the books in in our room, and my husband is like pulling his hair because he, he, he wants to actually tie these things and uh, put them in order in uh, in, uh, in our house. Uh, and there are too many of them. So I love reading. And at the moment, uh, the, the, the book I read is um, English Summers. That sounds I like... Can, I can try actually. <laughs> that sounds like me. I, I have books stacked up everywhere. But I'll read them. I'll read them. I promise. Okay, <laughs> here's the second question. What is your go-to beverage in the morning? Coffee, tea, or caffeine-free? 
So I'm a tea girl. I was a coffee girl, but uh, I quit it because I couldn't sleep. And actually, I have a difficult time because I just uh, went through a, a week of fast fasting. And the the therapist there explained that actually you don't you can't drink and have your breakfast at the same time. So now I need to have 30 minutes be between the moment when I drink my tea and the moment when I eat. And that's difficult. And I have to change my habits. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I agree. Name something that's giving you hope right now. I think being in the business I am, we actually uh, have babies born. So that gives me hope. Honestly, every time we have a new baby born, you know, it's, uh, it's a new person. And uh, that's, that's a, a breeze of, uh, of fresh air and, uh, yeah, of uh, a sense of accomplishment. Hey, Carolyn, I heard that the babies you, you produce um, at your clinic don't cry. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Improved? You know, I, new I, and improved? Yeah, at times of COVID, uh, we don't see them much. We see them by picture, but we don't hear their cries. I'm sure they're I all perfectly well they don't cry because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> One funny thing about uh, babies, on my own babies, I had asked for my, my own daughters, I had asked for the model that self-cleans, you know, where you don't have to change the diapers. <laughs> and somewhere, I don't know, I missed because it didn't happen. <laughs> you have to use the warranty in that case, take them back and get a replacement. Absolutely. I, I asked my parents. In, I asked my parents in law what was the problem with their son, but uh, yes, they didn't came back with a guarantee. I know that's funny. Okay, so what is one trend that you're watching right now in in your industry? For sure, that's AI. That's uh, how AI can uh, help help uh, the fertility sector to deliver success rates, the best success rates. You know, AI can help in two manners. One is to actually let's say, iron out the differences between uh, different kinds of clinics to make sure that everyone actually uh, reaches the point of the, the success rates of the best. But I'm sure that there are also a, a lot of things to be found to actually even improve the success rates of the best uh, clinics. And that's where we want to be. Do you have specific resources for staying kind of up to date on current events in the fertility industry? Are they podcasts or websites or do you have any newsletters that you read? In terms of uh, newsletter, I of course uh, look at Fertility IQ, which is an excellent uh, resource which uh, which I recommend. And uh, in terms of podcast, I do the Fertility Podcast, which is a, a UK podcast led by um, uh, Nathalie Silverman. She's amazing. I really recommend uh, the Fertility Podcast. It sounds like you're really driven, really motivated. And so when it comes time to unwind, what is your favorite way to unwind? I spoke with a coach once, a professional coach, and he told me, what do you do when you don't do anything? And I was like, what is this question? I always do something. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm probably one of these people that uh, rarely uh, settle down and uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty active, as you can, uh, you can uh, understand. But uh, I discovered yoga uh, a few years ago. I know it's not uh, very uh, original, but uh, for me, that works very well, yoga. And uh, during this fasting, which I mentioned uh, this fasting week, I also discovered meditation. And there, I must confess that I'm a very bad, I don't know how you say that, but I'm not very good at meditating. So, but there is room for improvement there. <laughs> yep. It's a life practice. At least that's my approach to it. What is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? 
that's a, the piece of advice I also give to um, the young ladies that work within Apricity because for me, uh, gender equality is super important. I also pay attention to the fact that we are we have as many women than men in Apricity and I'm happy to say that uh, we are at gender parity. So what I advise these young ladies when they join is not to consider that there is a professional life and a personal life and to actually wait to have developed in their career before they have their babies. Because I think that as women, we've been told how not to fall pregnant, but we've been rarely told how to fall pregnant. <laughs> Especially time is ticking for us. And in our thirties, it be becomes more difficult. So my piece of advice is don't wait until you're settled because you will never be. Don't wait until you're settled to have a baby. Your life will actually uh, change, but it will change for the better. You can continue to have a professional life and a professional fulfilling life, even when you're a mom. Yeah, there's never a good time to have kids except when it's time. And so... Exactly. <laughs> no, but, and, and, I, and I think that we, we tend to forget about that, you know, because we are highly driven by what we do and we think that, uh, okay, when I have uh, this promotion or when I actually have uh, this new job, then it will be time. Except if you haven't met the right person, yeah. <laughs> which is different, then, yeah, it's, it's time to have a baby when, yeah. Well, maybe in wrapping this up, we can just kind of guide you towards giving us, you know, your sort of vision for a Pricity, you know, 10 years from now into the future, what mark do you think a Pricity will leave on the world? What is your goal there? We are pretty ambitious with this, uh, with this project. I have really have this feeling to have a goal in mind, to, to have something that is so perfect, uh, the team, the purpose and everything. So of course we should hire. And what we want is to have change the way fertility treatments are provided to patients and to become really uh, the reference in the industry. Uh, we want to ramp up geographically, so to have captured a significant part of market share in the UK where we started, but also across Europe and beyond. We have no plans for the moment to, to, to come to the US, but maybe in 10 years time will be also a reference there. And that's definitely our plan. Well, certainly the more data you have, the better it'll be. But then you've got all the kind of privacy and border crossing and health data is complicated. But the more you can get for, for data into that AI engine, the better. No, but on this, we actually partner with um, uh, clinics and hospitals overseas because, as I mentioned, we very soon address this question of privacy, of anonymization, but also of who is the owner of the data. And it's a very clear answer for us. And we actually use uh, federated learning and blockchain to make sure that we have permission to access data sets and that these data sets are anonymized and safe. So we actually already work with uh, partner clinics on your continent, but uh, that's more on the clinic side where it takes a bit more time, you know, to establish a clinic. It's different regulation. It's different habits from patients, it's different price tags, it's different demands. I'm sure we have uh, cracked a way of doing things in the UK for the moment, and we plan to expand in Spain um, in, the, in 2020 and 22, and then in other European countries. But I'm sure that the US market is quite different to, to what we have experienced. So we want to do things 
properly. Carolyn, thank you so much for your time today. I've I've learned a lot and I cannot wait to see how the nexus of artificial intelligence continues to play a role in your space. And I applaud you for bringing technology to this complicated, but also very emotional challenge that so many individuals and women and couples face around the world. So it's, it's great to have heard your story and I'm grateful that you are here today. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming. It's been great talking with you. Likewise. Bye. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, And if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone.